Welcome to today's episode of the Grind Road to Success podcast, the place to be if you want to set yourself apart from the competition and learn what it takes to perform at your highest potential. I'm your host, Zach Krisik, and today we have the pleasure to sit down and talk with former athlete, entrepreneur, and mental health advocate, Darren Anderson. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today, Darren. Absolutely. Morning, Zach. Hope all is well. If all's going well here, hope all's going well on your end there. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a busy summer. Um, we're just uh, talking about the, the warm weather in August and well, I guess back in July, and which makes it nice because yeah, like it's gonna be it's gonna flip soon, and got to take advantage of it. Yeah, exactly. Enjoy the warm weather while we have it for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, no, it's great to be on your show and looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, I'm glad we could, yeah, finally sit down and continue to chat more. So, yeah, let's get right into things. So, Absolutely. tell us a bit about your experience, um, you know, in the sports world. Growing up, um, you know, in the sports you competed in and kind of your experience uh, with the student-athlete lifestyle. Yeah, so myself growing up, I was predominantly, like, I played a lot of sports. I was into golf and, and hockey and football and, and uh, with the influence of my father who actually played in the NHL with Detroit, he's over his shoulder besides my, my buddy, Stevie, Stevie Y from Detroit. So, um, you know, what? it was interesting growing up with a dad who played in the NHL, like as a kid, I never really knew the extent of it. Um, and dad was, after he retired, he was, a, he got into sales and, and uh, was on the road a lot. So I didn't have a lot of father figure influence growing up in the sports world. And I loved sports. Um, so it was very, it was difficult. Like, and then you got your mom and moms are always the glue and they're always like, do what you love to do. <laughs> and they're always giving you that encouragement. But sometimes it's not exactly what you need to hear. Um, that's what they want you to hear. But then it's like the reality conversation. So it was interesting, like at a very young age, basically coming out of elementary school into high school, um, I was mostly playing hockey and football. I, I think I loved football. I loved watching football and so forth and that. And I didn't uh, realize, and I wanted to play defense. I, I always wanted to be the linebacker or whatever. And in grade eight, I was actually a pretty big kid. I was six feet going into high school. Um, so uh, playing hockey and then the conversation started happen happening with the coaching staff. It's like, well, you can only do one, especially at a higher level. And like, so I was pulled into the football ranks in high school and actually flipped it to become, they wanted me to be a quarterback and because they saw me throwing one day. And, and so grade nine, 10, 11, 12 was all devoted to, to football. So I changed gears. I, I quit playing uh, and I played one year midget AAA and which I had a really good year and I made the decision to play football. Well, that didn't go over very well in our family because dad being the hockey player, and I'll never forget the, the conversation Zach was, he said, hockey players from Saskatchewan go to the NHL. Football players from Saskatchewan don't go to the NFL more so back then. Now you see a lot of great Canadian athletes playing multiplex basketball, golf, tennis. Like we have such a wonderful development program now compared to where, wherever, whatever we had before. But you got to remember I'm 14 years old. I'm like, <laughs> it's decision time at a very early age. And I, and I, so I chose the football route, which at that time was the right decision for me. I love football. I liked hockey, but then, as we both know, the politics was already really integrated into hockey. And I'm like, mm. or high school football, 
plus politics. Everyone kind of makes the team. You have that unified school group. Um, so I had a great, so I played senior football my grade 10 year and I started as quarterback and I had a very, very good grade 10 year and was already being uh, contacted by some colleges. And uh, so going into my grade 11 year, um, had a better year than grade 10 and then uh, was looking at some scholarship offers uh, more specifically in the, in the States and grade 12, um, I got injured and it was my throwing shoulder. So it was, uh, it was very tough. Um, I finished the year, had a good year. We actually made it to the city finals and so forth. And, but then now what it was, it, and when I say that once the high school season ended kind of reality kicked in in a hurry. Um, I realized that my football career was done or potentially done based on this serious injury, which I had then a decision to make, was I gonna get surgery or try and rehab it organically, um, which was the better path to get it back to that optimal level for surgery would it like, you would get it done, but would I be at the same position uh, throwing wise that I, that I was um, prior? So things didn't go very well. It was, it was a tough, like now I'm like 17, 18, 20, where I should be in school, playing the sport that I loved, getting an, an education. And my world was like on a great path. And then it just, due to injury, it just got flipped. And it was a like between 18 and 22 was a tough go. I wasn't even thinking of going to the university at the time. I was so, it was again, the world, I felt the world owed me something. I uh, instantly got a chip on my shoulder. I was like, just, <laughs> I was a dick. Like I was not a good person to be around. And, and my poor parents, especially my mom, didn't know which way to turn with me. And like, and I was working out, I was trying to rehab and, and just, it was a very, very dark place. And back then, mental health wasn't discussed or talked about. And, and the male stigma was so evident more than ever. Like, um, even though my dad never said it, it was like, kind of like, I told you so. Um, so yeah, I like got odd jobs. I actually taught skiing at the Blackstrap Ski Hill in the winter. I started working at the golf and country club and, but I just, I, I still had no path and, and I know I'm still, I'm young, but watching my other friends find that path early, um, I think made it worse. Uh, so it was, it was, um, it was tough. And then around 23 years old, um, I was working at the Patricia hotel for a family friend. Um, and, uh, remember the, the turning point for me was the conversation he had with me because he was kind of like an older brother, a mentor figure to me. And we sat down for about a three hour conversation and he just kind of laid it out and said the exact same thing. It's like, you need to step out of this. The world doesn't owe you anything. It's unfortunate what happened to you. You made a decision. It didn't go your way, but you can't keep going down this path in your life because um, it's not going to be a good path. The end result is not going to be good for you. So we need to step back and you need to figure things out on what now. Let's take that alternate route. What, what do you want to do and, and what does your path look like from now to 30? Let's set, let's set a timeline, let's set a game plan. But it was a tough conversation, but it was a conversation that I can ultimately say to you that it... I wouldn't be here today where I am without that conversation. So and that conversation was that I got, I went and down the golf path and got my CPGA accreditation. Um, I knew after that apprenticeship that I should go back to school and start taking night classes at university, um, which 
again, the sedonics at the pad were so accommodating, so I could do both. Um, so I worked hard then, like the path, like I was getting my golf pro ticket, I was getting my business degree, and I was working at a, a place that I learned a lot about business. As you have, it's a hotel, it's a beverage room, soon to be off sale. You did a lot of sponsorships. You work directly with Husky Athletics. And you're, so you're always looking at budgeting and inventory control and promotions and marketing and so forth. So what was very dark a few years prior almost turned into this huge opportunity for me. And I just kept down that path. And again, you have hiccups down the road. And, but um, everything, and I hate saying this, but everything happen, does happen for a reason. It's what you do when those forks in the fork in the road appear in front of you. It's the decisions and life is full of choices and you're not gonna always make the right choices. And um, looking back, was choosing football over hockey the right choice? I don't know. At that time for me, it was because I loved football. I was probably better at hockey, but I chose football. Now, of course, in my mind, I thought like, you know, you see, especially in those movies where you can, <laughs> you can go back in time and- and Yeah, like the same hindsight's guess, always twenty twenty. Yeah, like have a glimpse. Uh, I would have, yeah, of course. And I think a lot of people would, that would resonate with them. What I'm saying is that that fork in the road, wow, what happens if I chose, chose right versus left? Um, but again, no regrets. Um, I think during that period of seven, like from 17 to 22, uh, I think I have, besides the, the chip on my shoulder, I, I thought that I had regrets. Um, but again, so move forward and uh, yeah, I think everything worked out quite well. Like I said, um, now more recently, uh, the last, I guess, five, well, I even say seven years of my life, um, I've always had my, my marketing management company since, since the 90s, worked on some great projects with uh, Whitecap with their golf course and their sports center, working in the mining sector, a lot of First Nations work, uh, hospitality, golf. Uh, it was fantastic. And then I switched gears into the uh, digital world and started building out an agency, which now we have video production, uh, apparel, promotional, digital marketing, website development, um, and great people working alongside me. But during that course of when I made that decision back in 2013, um, started going, had some tragedy in, in our lives and um, we lost my dad. Uh, in 2015, he was battling Alzheimer's and, and that is not a good disease. That is a tough one because they're not, they're not, they're gone, but they're not gone. Like their mind is gone, but they're still alive. And oh yeah, that I wish that on no family to have to deal with that. Um, we lost dad after that battle. Um, and my older brother, Mark, who was in the promotional and apparel industry, that really affected him and dad were really close. Like they hunted and fished together and, and they were a lot closer than dad and myself were. Um, and the immediately I saw the spiraling effect a couple of years before Mark got divorced. And, and but this with dad um, really started setting him spiraling. But again, kind of out of sight out of mind is everyone has their own life and you're and you're trying to move forward but um it really caught up to him it started affecting his business and his lifestyle and he got into some major debt and then our family a couple of years later back like in 2018 we intervened and and seeked help for him um wow zach that is not and that was not an easy thing and that's that's four years ago that's not that long ago to find help for people that are struggling with addiction 
and depression and having suicidal ideation. And, and so we found like shortcuts, like sending him to Kilburn, which was like um, a five day detox. It was just kind of that starting point to get you on the right path. But mm -hmm. what we found was like, after that, it's like, now what? All of these facilities with this professional people and professional health um, had these waiting lists and, but these waiting lists, you couldn't even get on until you showed them that you were two weeks, three weeks sober. And then you get on the list and then this, this list is, is months. Um, and this was kind of all over the place. There was options throughout Canada. There's a one, there's a facility in Nimo, um, has a big price tag attached to it. But that wasn't a big factor for us. The money obviously is always there, but um, Mark did a very good job of positioning himself that he was getting better. He was down a better path and kind of painted that white picket fence, and, um, which I kind of saw through because we were the closest of the family. So there was Mark's daughter, Ashley, and my mom and my sister. And so, we continued to have these conversations. We continued to look for support and help. Um, but at the same time, like we got him into AA, which I thought, well, that's kind of cart before the horse. He needs professional help and like that, that long-term dry out and then you go to AA. But again, that was our only option. And we had immediate support for him in these programs, in that program. Um, but the, the one thing is his, the male stigma was very evident. Mark positioned himself. He's like, I got this. I'm okay. Everything's good. Uh, I'm fine, which is the word we hear a lot. Um, mm -hmm. Especially, you know, I see that, you know, in athletes, especially in the sports world and relating to that stigma is, yeah, exactly. Especially young males, young adults. And I guess, you know, any male for that matter it's so hard to be able to talk about, right, our struggles, our problems that we're going through because we're expected to be, right, the ones, um, I guess, to say that everything's fine, right? That, you know, we're supposed to be strong. We're supposed to be the ones to be able to get through, you know, those failures, those challenges, those adversities. But when you look at things in reality and you really put that perspective on, you know, there's so many males, especially out there nowadays that are struggling with that side of things, right? That mental health Absolutely. that can have such a huge impact on, you know, your performance, just how you feel about yourself from, you know, day to day and, you know, your lifestyle, how that affects, you know, your home lifestyle, your work lifestyle, whatever it may be. And yeah, I think that's one thing we just need to continue to talk more and be open about um, to bring that awareness, right? So we can get rid of that stigma and allow more, not only males, but just people in general to start talking about that mental aspect of things. Because yeah, like you say, from your own experience, you know, how big of an effect did that have on you um, and your lifestyle kind of going oh. through all of that? Yeah, it was, again, it was tough. And just to fast forward. So obviously, we couldn't get Mark the help that he needed. There was a massive gap in the healthcare system. It was like, honestly, it was a mess. Um, my mom was in was the enabler which moms are because they love their kids they love everyone and so she would bring him food and which is good mom should bring your kids food and it doesn't matter how old you are um but she gave him money and that money went to like you need a great dog isn't that so it's like it's like dog food it's like he was a big smoker but it went to the booze and when we went in there Zach, I've never seen anything like that. Like, cause again, he never really, those couple years after dad, he never wanted us in his house. There was bottles upon bottles and he put them in the old satchels for the dog food, which we thought was dog food. Then I went in the garage. Like it was my first thought. I'm like, how is this guy alive? But he functioned like, well, so we thought. Then we got into his banking and and like I said, that's I said, oh my God, this is like hundred thousand dollars plus in debt, credit card debt, and business suffering. And so 
it started to wear on my relationship with him because I became the bad cop. And I used words like, you need to snap out of this. You need to get your head out of your ass. And it's like, I looking back, I'm like, Oof, those are such bad words. But those were the conversations men had. And then, again, this is four, this is only four years ago. <clears throat> and then again, but he spun things and he went on social media and I'm two months, three months, four months sober. And that was just the facade. Next thing you know, late November, mom's over to the house, bringing them food, middle of the afternoon. It was kind of a rough weekend. So this is on the Sunday. And then um, she said, he's not answering the door. TV's on, dogs barking, trucks outside. And, and uh, I called the police. I just knew that something was wrong. And the police were so good about this. They came with a social worker that sat with my mom. At any rate, we went into the house, calmed the dog down. He came out, played with me, and there was Mark. He, he took his own life. He couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And again, the one thing that I remember in that moment was the male stigma. He's like, I must be the glue for my family. I now have to go and tell my mom who's waiting out front that her son, other son's not coming out. I have to call my niece and I have to call my sister. So I went, like I was, became just a walk. Like I was, I had no emotion because, but that's the way I was taught growing up. So I had to be that figure because I was the male. And so we went through the process and, and grieving and, and that, and it was just a horrible day, especially like I would just from my mom, like moms, like parents should never have to bury their kids, no matter how old they are. Um, so then I just went through my own grieving and I, and I kept thinking about how broken the system is. I'm like, we couldn't put this guy in front of anyone and it was a tragedy. And then I did started doing my research and I created this initiative called Love My Mind. And it was just like, we were just talking about Zach. It was like, there needs to be more conversation, especially with men. We need to become vulnerable, like throw this bullshit aside that I have to be this and I have to be this and I have to be this. That's the problem that allows these men, strong men, successful men to start spiraling um because again because of the pressures and to be that guy and so i just started having conversations i had conversations with my buddies on the police force the fire department um and i knew that i had the opportunity to be a voice uh and i took it and i aligned myself with a lot of great people we even had like Mr. Wonderful Kevin O'Leary kickstarted our initiative with a massive donation, but his words to me was, I need this to work because he lost his best friend to suicide. So I didn't know really what it was going to be. And again, the male in the segment me said, I'm going to save the world all by myself. I don't need anyone. I'm going to have talks. I'm going to be a counselor. I'm going to be this. And finally, my better half who I just met Krista she came into my life right after Mark and it was almost like again fate because we were both going through shit in our life and and it was almost like it was definitely like we were supposed to connect and meet and she was amazing through this she goes you're not supposed to save the world you're not gonna save the world because you're not a counselor you're not even close to a counselor you're a connector you're a business builder so we're going to use that and you're going to start bringing in key people around you and you're going to build this community of awesomeness so I went and started talking with my counselor friends and making these connections bringing in corporate partners and then we had a big voice is that I would still tell the love my mind story like I'm telling today and 
but I would bring in these amazing people, the boots on the ground, the counselors that have their story are now professional, like psychotherapists and wellness counselors, addiction counselors. And we started having conversations online, but before COVID we were getting in front of students and it was awesome. Like word was getting out and it was so good to see. Then COVID hit and the world went spiraling. And the first thought, Zach, I thought, oh, fuck, this is not going to go well. <laughs> nope. Business owners are going to panic. People are going to get let go of their jobs. Like, it was like, it's, it, and I still remember that first week, kind of that announcement around that St. Patty's Day 2019 or, or 2020. And um, it just like the world froze because no one knew what to do. And no one knew what was going to like, they don't know what to do. It's like, what's going to be, what's the future going to hold? This is right. shit we see on TV. And now it's, it's like, what? A pandemic? There's a virus? There's a monkey? And yeah. this monkey's biting people? That <laughs> From that show, I forget if it was Dustin Hoff, but anyway, it was a good show. And this one was, I guess, just a bat, though, instead of the monkey. And so now I got my marketing business with multiple great clients. I have this foundation that I'm building on the mental health side. And immediately it kicked in together and they got integrated. And I said to my team, the directors and Krista and that, and we're still in a very early stage, um, but we had some funds. And I said, if we don't do anything else, this will be the biggest thing that we'll do for the situation hand. And what we did is we, we created a wellness giveaway. Every week, we're gonna do it for eight weeks. And it was for people to nominate people that were going through horrible times, whether it was like mental health side, the wellness, like the, the just the health side, physical health, losing their jobs, whatever the situation. And we would give them, um, we bought gift cards and, and um, anything to do with wellness that would make your day a better day. And so we had packages of what were like a thousand, fifteen hundred bucks. But it was crazy to see some of the businesses that came in and donated as well, like and just made this fantastic. This thing lasted not eight weeks, but four months. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. It was so cool. And but then that's what grew our our love my mind brand. And and now going on year four. Um, we have amazing partnerships. We got a chapter, a Love My Mind chapter in Alberta and soon to be in Manitoba. And here I am now in the mental health space. But here I am also in a space with a new family. And we, me and Krista, and Krista had, has three kids. And we moved into our own home last October, so almost a year ago. And now I go from the marketing single and not that it was like out and about in that, but I had a very great and simple life uh, in my own house, which I owned. I had like, but now I'm making the decision to go and build a family, create a family. And in that situation, and it's been great. Um, in that situation though, Krista has two boys, both very good hockey players and they're right at that level. One going into Bantam now, one probably, hopefully playing his first year of WHL. And so I've been in their life now three years and still able, not like being that hockey dad, even though I am, but I still have the ability to look at the things out from the outside in. Look at what my dad went through with his hockey career and then my decisions. And I really watched. And it made sense because my, my, my marketing mind's going, my mental health mind is going. And now my father figure mentor mind is going. And all I can say is, wow, 
how much it's changed, how much how much things have changed for our youth today, and more so our youth today that have this gift or this opportunity to play a sport that they love and go to not just the next level, but levels above the next level. Um, but it was everything that was integrated into that scenario. Um, and honestly, it starts with the parents. It is so from your experience, you know, growing up yeah. and just all the things you've kind of realized and, you know, the hindsight of things, what advice would you give now to, I guess, you know, your son's now going through kind of that student athlete lifestyle, trying to navigate all those, you know, changes um, that are kind of happening in that lifestyle, but also just, you know, as a parent for other athletes, what would you kind of suggest uh, to them in order to essentially help them, you know, navigate that lifestyle and make things easier for them, especially relating to that mental health side of things? Yeah, and it's, it's basically like, they have to be able to have that trust where they're going to have a, be able to have a conversation with you or a coach or, um, and not be judged, uh, have the, the feeling that I'm going to be heard and verse. And then the re reciprocation is rather than, Oh, everything's going to be okay. It's like, I hear you. And now let's work through this. There's going to be decisions that are going to be made, but first and foremost, based on the training methods that, and the, and the financial commitment is that the pressures to get to that ultimate level can't be as evident as I see they are. And this is, this is the, on the mental health side. And we've talked about this and I've talked about it in our podcast is these student athletes starting from eight years old to 10 years old to 12, getting into that college um, recruiting aspect have so much pressure on them to perform. And then you throw in social media and you throw in the, the performance aspect, the parents aspect. And it's almost like who's making this decisions for these young athletes and why. And now based on those decisions, these 17 year old, 20 year old kids are drowning but they don't want to admit to the fear because that fear comes with ridicule and embarrassment and being judged. So do you know what? They keep sinking and then that light dissipates. And honestly, Zach, I've in the last year and a half, two years, the stories that we don't hear on social because it was all about COVID was we were losing student athletes to suicide, these kids just couldn't see that light anymore. And they're saying, well, it's probably, no, I, I can't do this. And I can't really say what was going through their mind, but being in the mental health space and seeing it in a different capacity is how oh, these kids just like, they have so much opportunity in front of them, but they're because of everything else that's going on immediately around them and suffocating them, they're making these life choices and taking their own lives. And that's the saddest thing I've ever heard. Female fastball players, academically strong, lots of like, they were. these are the kids that are checking all the boxes and then they're gone. Um, the pressure to perform has to be managed. Needs, like, there needs to be um, still have those dreams and aspirations, but there needs to be boundaries. There needs to be conversations. These kids just can't be in this revolving door and continually seeking answers on the mental health space and their development space. And again, it's like, you gotta, where's, the, where's the love of the game gone? Like, have fun, have fun, have fun. Sure, you gotta work and work and you have opportunity and you've been in that space and with with baseball but it just can't get to the point where these kids just start spiraling and I know that's easier said than done but it's just it's conversations it's conversations from the coaches to the athlete from the coaches to the parent from the parent to the athlete from the athlete to the athlete like there's multiple integrations or, or communication threads here and that again are the two biggest words that we use in our mental health space 
and in our house is stay connected, communicate, and have these conversations. Call them the three C's, whatever you want, but that as long as you have constant communication and have those tough conversations, because they're not all going to be a bed of roses, um, that's a good path for, for what's happening. That was, I guess, the biggest thing I realized, especially coming back, um, you know, from playing college athletics, you know, COVID kind of shut everything down. And I remember you were kind of saying, you know, what's going to happen in those first couple of weeks. And I remember, um, you know, sitting in the commons area, just wondering, okay, is everything going to go online, right? If it is, okay, that'll be maybe be nice, have a little bit of a break. But as time went on, right, as we went into isolation, I started noticing, um, and I guess talking with my other friends and athletes about how many other people were struggling, especially with that mental health side of things. And it didn't help that we were all right isolated alone every single day for how long. Um, and I felt like that had a huge impact uh, on so many people, not just athletes, but everyone in general, especially just about how they felt every day, right? Relating to, you know, like anxiety and depression. I noticed so many of my friends personally, uh, you know, dealt with that, especially during COVID. And now we're still in the process of dealing with a lot of those, um, you know, difficulties and kind of challenges that everyone went through. But yeah, you know what, I guess the biggest thing um, and passion of mine in, you know, creating the grind performance and helping athletes with that side of things is, you know, going through my own struggles myself, dealing with, you know, with the anxiety, depression, whatever it may be. Um, but it was a good buddy of mine who was a Huskies football player and he was only 22 at the time. And he ended up taking his own life as well because, you know, he couldn't deal with the many stresses and challenges that came um, you know, and living that student athlete lifestyle myself, I've realized, you know, how difficult it is for so many athletes to, you know, not only reach their highest potential, but to perform and enjoy their performance uh, along that process, right? Because I'm sure as you know, um, just how many changes are happening, especially, you know, in that teenage uh, those teenage years or those young adult years, there's so much change and unknown happening. Um, it can be very difficult to navigate, right? Those many challenges, failures that you face. And especially, again, going back to that uh, stigma, it's so tough for young adults. And especially now with the generation uh, where everything is online, I feel like it's so difficult to for people to actually be real and talk about their, you know, insecurities or vulnerabilities, because everyone portrays themselves as this perfect figure online, right? And especially with the young, younger generation, everyone wants to, you know, be the best, get the most likes, uh, whatever it may be online. But in reality, so many of those people are struggling with the mental health side, right? You know, the confidence, am I actually good enough? Uh, you know, so many people care about what other people think about them. And that can have a huge impact right on your performance and the limits you set on yourself. So that was kind of, I guess the COVID year was a huge realization for me, realizing that I wasn't the only one struggling, but that, you know, approximately one third of all student athletes, uh, you know, around the world and all sports were struggling, especially with that mental health side of things. So just, you know, relating or looking back at my own performance and realizing how I could have, uh, you know, performed better or reached that next level uh, in my competition, I look back and a lot of it wasn't relating to the physical aspect of things. Sure, you know what, I was always in the gym, I was putting the reps in, right, practicing to get better like most athletes, but I look back and the times I was struggling personally were the times where I was dealing with, you know, the confidence, uh, not feeling good about myself, you know, the ability uh, to actually perform and deal with the many, you know, standards, pressures, uh, challenges that come right every day, because as you grow, I guess, just from my own experience, and I'm sure you know as well, right, the, there's more pressures, and more challenges always happening as you get older, and you got to be able to deal with them um, and how to actually handle them. Otherwise, it can be very easy to go down that spiral, right? Go to that negative side compared to, 
you know, staying on the positive and how can we actually work through things to get the results we want. Um, so yeah, I guess just kind of looking back, you know, on your own experience and in that hindsight, what advice would you give to yourself um, and kind of the experience you had to be able to perform at your highest potential um, and just enjoy what you were kind of doing throughout that process? Yeah, and that's, I think that's the, the million dollar question really is that looking back, like, and again, this, you could look at it two ways. I didn't have um, the parent pressure um, because my mom was so supportive, but my dad wasn't really there. And, and because he was on the road a lot in that. So I didn't feel a lot of pressure. And let's face it, at that early age, whether 14, 16, 19, 20, um, and we were talking about yesterday with junior golf, these kids have no fear. Um, they pull a driver in every hole. They're hitting these tight draws and they, they got a short game. They got, they got everything, but they don't have fear. They don't have course management because they're just vomited everywhere. But, and we were, we were like that. Um, so the confidence was always there, but the confidence could have got, can get beat up as well with a bad game. Um, friends performing better than you is a tough one. And I see that one more now because I think social media heightens it is uh, it's very easy, like you said, to position yourself in a higher light, in a better light than really what's going on. Um, and I, I feel like with our oldest, um, that's his struggle is he does have confidence, but he's also kind of lived in the shadow because um, he was small. He hasn't really come to into his own um, until the last couple of years. And he's worked hard. Like you said, he's put in the gym time, he's put in the skating time and so forth. But now physically he's grown. Um, mentally, he was always had that capacity. So he is in a really good place. He's covering all the bases, so to speak. But again, it doesn't mean that the pressure isn't there because let's face it, we're using hockey in this analogy is that you go through peewee and bantam and you're kind of with your buddies and things are happening. Guys are getting better. Guys are that started off early, aren't as good as they were. Then you got the late bloomers. So a lot of movement is happening in those, in those years because there's growth, like physical growth and there's mental growth or there's the mental side can actually go on the negative side too. But then it gets interesting when you get out of Bantam, you get into midget and you make that triple A team. Now there's pressure. Now the buddies are separating themselves and they're on different teams. You're playing against them and you have the status factor. You have the social media factor. And this is all running parallel as these kids are in their midget year. And then, um, so it's, it's the one up and again, it's, it's the status. So, are they enjoying it as much as they did two or three years ago with their buddies? And um, God, when you think about the love of the game, and, I, and again, I watched from, and I said, I saw a difference in Zach. Um, the smile seemed to be gone. The fun seemed to be gone. Now, and the determination was still there, definitely. But it was it was a different determination. It was a determination that almost like I no longer want to. It's like I have to. Mm -hmm. I have to become better. I have to be better than my friends. I have to be. I have to get to this level. And I'm like, ooh. So any sort of setbacks on that path uh, are almost tenfold as worse as they were when you actually love the game. Like, eh, I'll get them next game. And so forth like that so the advice thing would would be um <laughs> you gotta you gotta eliminate the pressure somehow and keep the fun in the game the love for the game intact but that again that's the million dollar question in today's world it would be so much more and it is more difficult than going back 10, 15, 20 years when, when we were in that element. Um, 
because it, it just it just was a different world like everyone talks about like these kids are so much more entitled and and that sure like there's less accountability there's more like hey what about me oh it's, this should just fall in my lap and but I don't know there again there's so many factors involved parents are guilty of it they enable their kids they set no boundaries so who are we blaming blame the kids are we blaming the parents are we blaming the coaches like my dad played for eddie shore that guy was a lunatic like there was no boundaries there was like no and then you see watch the movies like with her brooks with that u.s olympic team <laughs> again again like, yep. I, think I think i get thrown in jail today for doing that so again the world's changed and we could say for the worse for the better social media is the criminal here really i'm in the i'm in the space and i see it and i'm like this is horrible this is horrible yeah a hundred percent and you know i just kind of like that quote by i think it was by uh theodore roosevelt who said comparison is the thief of joy and i really think about that because i guess the biggest mindset shift i have uh that helped me you know to build confidence and start performing at a higher potential when i played in college um was just the idea of it's you against you. Because I thought, you know, in the gym, I'd always, you know, compare myself. I want to look like that guy, right? I want to be big and strong like this person, whatever it may be. But the more I realized it is how different everyone is, right? So I'm comparing myself to this one athlete or this one guy in the gym, but that athlete has a completely different, you know, genetic makeup and DNA than myself. You know, we have different metabolisms. There's so many different factors that influence, you know, your performance and the results you get that it's almost silly to think about it when, you know, you want to compare yourself to something or someone else, because there's so many differences and so many factors that affect the performance that if you try to imitate someone else's, you're going to completely lack, you know, your strengths and your weaknesses and what you can actually control, right, to get the results you want. And that was kind of the biggest shift I found was when I started just focusing on myself and competing against myself, that's when I had massive growth compared to comparing myself because every day I was just trying to get better than who I was yesterday, right? And having that yeah. mindset allowed me to just keep pushing, pushing every single day, no matter what, I just want to get better, 1% better each day. And that's what allowed me to you know, start reaching my highest potential and start getting the results I want compared to if I would have stayed, you know, comparing myself to everyone else. And I think that's especially a huge thing relating to the confidence aspect is so many athletes, you know, compare themselves to that other person on their team, right? That better player, let's say. Um, but in reality, what are you doing to change your results and your performance? And I think that's, you know, the biggest thing, especially with the confidence is so many athletes are thinking, oh, he's better than me, or I could never get to that level. Well, if you already think that, right, it's going to be very hard to get to that next level. And I remember, you know, playing the game of baseball, uh, which I competed at the college level for. And growing up, I was never the best hitter. I was always kind of an average hitter, you know, <laughs> could get hits, could get on base. But when I flip my mindset to that you against you, and essentially just having that confidence of in my head thinking, I may not be the best baseball player. I'm not the best baseball player on this team, but in my mind, I would tell myself that. And I feel like, you know, the difference between being confident and cocky there is I would walk onto the field or into the dressing room thinking in my head that I was the best player there. And I knew I wasn't, but having that mindset shift was what allowed me to have the best season I ever had um, you know, because it gave me the confidence and the ability to start performing at the potential I wanted to compared to thinking that, you know, sure, I may not have been the best player, but if I thought that, right, and I lived in that, I would have stayed stuck and probably, you know, way worse cool. off um, yeah. compared to, right, having that belief and that confidence in my abilities. And I, I realized just having that one single mindset shift was the biggest thing to getting you know the growth and results i actually desired agreed mindset is everything in in your sport and baseball like we saw it back in that home run frenzy when you had like mcguire and sosa and, and then bonds and that the pressures to have to hit a home run to keep incomparable 
Like when you watch Sosa and Maguire, and I like enhancements or not, what they put on entertainment-wise and hitting these home runs at will was absolutely amazing. And sure, again, the pressures to perform came in. I'm like, okay, I got to do steroids. So I'm not falling behind, but still, you still have to hit the baseball. It's coming at you 90 plus. It's got, it's got movement, but these guys were hitting home runs like at will. I'm like, this is crazy. These, these guys need a little more, like, not for what they did, but like, this is like, it was, it was so cool. And then you get bonds. Um, it's like going to the driving range and everyone, and everyone can attest to this. God, I hit it so good on the range. And now I can't do anything on the golf course. Yeah, because it's your mindset. You're not keeping score on the range. You're not playing anyone. It's guys that can take that muscle memory from the golf course, go to, or from the range, go to the first tee. And you're not playing these guys. You're playing the course. The mindset is that, like, I get against guys and they're like, um, what do you at? I'm like, I don't know. I'm counting my score. Oh, you're at like three over. I'm like, you're keeping my score. Oh, I get it. You want to beat me, but he's not going to beat me because he, he's constantly trying to one up me. And he's got that comparable going where I'm playing the golf course and I'm having fun. And that again, mindset wise is that who are you going to put on the, on the, on the shootout? Who's your top three for the shootout? Who's the guys that can perform when it's needed? And who's the guys that, who wants, who wants the ball? Who doesn't want the ball? Who wants the puck? Who doesn't want the puck? And again, it's your hundred percent, Zach. It's mindset. And being able to flip that mindset, saying that I will, standing on the first team, like I'm going to hit a little butter cut down the left side, back into the middle. And I know I'm going to do it. Well, the chances of me doing it are greater. I'm like, or getting on the first team going, Ooh, what am I going to do with this shot? Well, good luck. Exactly. For or sure, 100%. I don't look at, and then the, that pitcher that has got your number, you get up to the plate and like, oh, this guy's gobby already. Well, yeah, go sit down. You're going to strike out or something. Exactly. Or, I, yeah, I realized, you know, times when I was at the plate and it was just what I was thinking about. You know, if I went up to the plate thinking, okay, this guy's got me, right? Or I'm maybe going to strike out what would happen? The ball would go right past me and I'd strike out, right? Compared to the times where I would think this ball's not getting past me. You know, either I walk or I hit, I'm getting on base somehow. And yeah. more often than not, what happened, right? It was just that that image and that visualization beforehand that made all the difference, right? And, you know, I look at the difference between, say, average athletes compared to elite athletes. And, you know, I wonder what separates them, what makes them so different. And there's those keys, like you say, where some athletes walk onto the course, the field, the ice, whatever it may be, and they are able to perform with just utmost confidence and ease. It's like nothing to them, right? It's just another day at the field, another game, right? But those athletes are able to perform at such a high level because they've been doing it for so long, right? In the practices, they're working on that, right? Putting in the preparation to get there, so when there's those challenges, failures, whatever it may be during the game, they know how to handle them, right? It's yeah. so much easier than going down that spiral and that loophole um, where they can just handle it. Where, you know, I think about some of those elite athletes going into stadiums where you're the opposing team, let's say, you know, in any playoffs, right? The Super Bowl, I don't know. And there's thousands of people booing you. How do you handle that, right? It's just that pressure and that constant, um, I guess, right? As the levels you go up, there's more standards. That increase of standards yeah. and pressure can dictate and, and, your performance so greatly. And knowing how to win. And that's, again, sometimes it's in, it's in a team capacity. Sometimes it's in an individual capacity. Um, knowing how to win. Tom Brady, perfect example. Not a good athlete. Tom Brady is not a good athlete. Nope. Can't run. I run better than Tom Brady. Uh, brilliant IQ, like when it comes to the game, like can't take anything. But if you look at Tom's Super Bowls, like the Seattle one, that was, that was like insane. Atlanta, um, that could go more on, hey, we're going to do Tom a favor and we're going to make stupid play calls and give him the Super Bowl. 
I think Tom's best Super Bowl was his last one. He actually yeah, like I, put on an actual clinic. But there's probably four Super Bowls that the Patriots shouldn't have won. But Tom knows how to win. Eli Manning knows how to win. The guy's not a good quarterback, but he those Super Bowls like, yeah, it's my, Michael Jordan, perfect example. That guy was an absolute. I don't know if you watched like the the dance or whatever. Like, yep, these guys like he he's like I'm going this way. Are you coming with me? And if not, I'm gonna like bash you guys. Like he was not. I don't know if you could call him not a good teammate, but he just I think he really brought a lot of good out of average athletes that made them so much better and he drove yeah but talk about mindset there's a guy that wanted the ball how many seconds left give it to me and he'll admit he missed a ton of shots in that game situation but he kept taking him and taking him and of course you see all the wins and that but he made a lot of mistakes but he also made a lot of great things happening it's like so it's that fear of failure. Michael Jordan did not have that. Tom Brady did not have that. Wayne Gretzky, Ariel Lemieux, like, um, like Derek Jeter in baseball. I will pick Derek Jeter. I hate the Yankees, but I would pick Derek Jeter any day of the week because he brings everything to the plate. Like, 100%. And yeah, mindset. there's something that just, right, that separates those athletes that seems... Yeah where DNA. they might I think not be just sorry go ahead i think it's dna like i don't know if you could teach someone how to win you can give them like the tools and that but that again zach that mindset wise is like i think some guys are just born with it like the gretzky like let's face it that guy he seemed to slow down the game like i don't know how he saw the game compared to others or jordan or even tiger woods but i just think that they were just such elite athletes that I don't think you can actually compare a lot of people to them. Like people try and compare LeBron to Michael. I know we'll get into that debate, but, um, but you can, there is comparables Wayne to Mario to Gordy. Like could Gordy play in the modern day? Well, Gordy was a crazy athlete um, back in a time that it, it was a different game. Um, could Michael play in today's basketball? Of course he could. It was crazy talented. He, these guys could all adapt. That was the other big thing too. Is like in baseball, guys can adapt and that, oh, I can't hit the off-speed pitch. Well, I'm going to adapt and I'm going to be able to hit the off-speed pitch. And then, so yeah, so that adapting on your along your path is again, what makes these athletes or these young athletes become even better and get to that role uh, and make the NHL or make major leagues or, or get on the PGA tour. Um, and I think it's wonderful when they do. And, but I just, the stuff that happens behind the scenes has just got to, you'd love to say just has to stop. It's never going to stop, but there are tools that can happen and, the, and their conversations and it, just showing that bit of vulnerability that um, I'm not in a good space right now. My confidence is lacking. Uh, I broke up with my girlfriend. I lost a family member like that stuff. There's so many uh, X factors that you have no control over, but then they can directly affect that mindset and your path. Um, and that's, let's face it, Zach, that's just life, like stuff like that. And it's unfortunate when it happens, but it's just life and we got to deal with it or don't deal with it. And that's again, but it's your choice when it comes to dealing with it and how you're going to deal with it. A hundred percent. Yeah, you're bang on. There's so many X factors and so many outside influences. And how do we keep them at bay? And how do we keep that focus? And how do we keep the conversation thread open? For sure, for sure. And I'm glad you brought up that point of, you know, adapting and kind of adaptability. Because, you know, if we really look at the, you know, let's just say the student athlete lifestyle, right, there's so many changes happening, and you're always going to be faced with failure, right? Um, Success is only 1% of the process, right? You look at all those elite athletes that you kind of mentioned, there was a lot of failure, challenges, right, hard work, 
that was put into place way before that success even happened, right? If you really look at Tom Brady's career, Michael Jordan's career, look at them before they became famous, you know, and elite, right? What did they have to do to get there? And I feel like so many athletes not necessarily want to skip that part, but think it's a lot easier, right? And it's a grind. That lifestyle is a grind. It's not easy. There's so many challenges, changes, and especially, you know, relating to those X factors is so many things are always happening in life. Like you said, breakups, uh, you know, family problems, school problems, whatever it may be, that has a huge impact on your performance and goes way beyond just being physically fit, right? This is, you know, such an important thing, especially, um, for performance wise and wanting to reach your highest potential as an athlete. I just think, you know, there were games where I remember where I had a big exam the next day or a big midterm or a big final. And what was I thinking about? I wasn't thinking about the game. I was thinking about that big exam I had next day. And what does that do? That decreases my performance because my focus is completely somewhere else. Right. So I guess that's just one of many examples, but how there's so many factors always influencing your performance. And it's more than just the physical side. And I guess that was the biggest realization I made, um, you know, looking back on things in my sports career is the times I was struggling 99% of the time wasn't because I wasn't physically fit, big enough, strong enough, fast enough. It's because I wasn't mentally prepared, right? I couldn't deal with the failure of not being good enough, right? Or, um, you know, struggling to reach that next level. Those were the biggest things that affected my performance and especially the way I felt about, uh, you know, my performance on the field. Yeah, and that, you're exactly right. And if I look at being mentally, mentally prepared and taking it to the next level on a constant basis, and I, I still want to see that movie. And these are, well, the Williams sisters, Venus and, and Serena, like Serena Williams is one of the best athletes of all time. And, and she's in that conversation. And if you say, and that's not just because she's a woman, look what she's done. And, but I want to see like, what was their upbringing look like? And just looking at that movie that I think it's, I think Will Smith is the dad or the, anyways, mm-hmm. um, that will be a great movie. It's like, I can't even imagine what these two girls, these sisters went through to get to that level. And, but talk about a mindset. Every time they stepped on the court, they knew they were going to win. Mm-hmm. You're playing against them. Good luck. Exactly. And it's hard to beat someone who already has that mindset that they're going to win. Right. That's why, especially relating to like an intimidation factor, going up against Tom Brady, going up against LeBron, right. Going up against Michael Jordan, whoever it may yeah. be. Um, yeah. Would, you just... want, would you, would you want to be in the final in the final group on Sunday at the masters with Tiger Woods in, in his prime, that is the last guy you want to be. And again, if you want to prove yourself, but mindset wise at all those variables around you, the crowd is moving when you're shooting. If Tiger's before you and he puts out or he hits a shot, good luck because the crowd's like, we don't care about you. We're going to follow that guy. You're not even done. You're like, where's everyone going? So playing Tiger in his heyday would have been the guys that beat him, all the kudos to you because that would have been on an individual basis. That would be one of the toughest things to do is to play Tiger, play him well. You guys are tied going into Sunday and you come out on top. You've just proved to the world that you're like an unreal golfer, athlete, whatever. Um, So mindset, like it's like, oh, I had to play Tiger Woods. I'm done. Block right. Double hook. Yeah. Or let's just go have some fun and see what happens. Yeah. Because you're not really playing Tiger. You're still playing Augusta National. Tiger's Tiger's your like think about it like he's just my playing partner say he's my buddy whatever he's doing the same thing so again mindset wise am I playing Tiger am I playing Augusta National right exactly and in that same mindset thinking okay who am I right sure Tiger Woods one of the greatest golfers of all time but if I'm competing at Augusta 
I must be pretty good myself, right? But just relating to that mindset side of things, you could be someone who has no confidence in yourself and thinking exactly, holy shit, I'm playing Tiger Woods. This is not going to go well. Or coming out thinking, yeah, I'm here to compete at Augusta, which there's very few people that even do that. I'm performing with some of the top athletes in the world, right? Just putting that into perspective can be a huge shift to, you know, like your confidence, your mindset, your performance, right? Rather than going in there and thinking it's already over, right? I'm playing Tiger Woods. This game's already over, right? I'm playing Michael Jordan. I'm playing LeBron. This game's already over. Well, if you think that it already is, right? But having that shift can make such a huge difference overall. Yeah. And we've, yeah, I've been there. I've been on the, on the winning end and I've been on the losing end. And it's exactly what we're talking about is that I knew, I knew I was going to lose before the game even started, or it's like, I have no fear. I have nothing to lose. I'm going and and then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, that was good. I won. So again, but how do you ultimately take that? thought process and make it your mindset and then execute it and that's the million dollar question and then that will always be a question that's going to be asked so and that's again what that's what separates the elite from the good from the good to the average the average to the bad and then so yeah it's uh some good conversations for sure for sure so, yeah, I'm glad uh, we were able to sit down today and have some more of those conversations um, and yeah, be able to provide some more insight to others that hopefully can gain some value, um, you know, whether you're an athlete or anyone in general wanting to reach the next level in their performance. Um, yeah, and truly understand what it takes to uh, get to that next level, whether that be in their performance, confidence, or just yeah, mental state in, in life. So yeah. But yeah, I just want to thank you very much for taking the time to join us today and share some of your insight and experience uh, in helping yeah, athletes and parents, especially uh, trying to understand and navigate the grind and that student-athlete lifestyle. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess, uh, do you got any, anything before we head off here? No, all good. I appreciate you having me on today and hopefully it uh, all helps out in the end. Yes, exactly. So I want to thank you very much again. And uh, thanks for tuning in to the Grind Road to Success podcast. And we will see you on the next one. Awesome. Cheers. Thanks, Zach. Awesome. Thanks, Darren.